Hello and welcome to Software Tech Talks. I'm Zoe Cunningham. Today we have a special episode that was first broadcast on Twitter Spaces on International Women's Day 2022. If you're interested on hearing more from us on Twitter, do follow us at Software UK. And for now, I'm delighted to talk to two very special guests about how you can get into the tech industry via career changing. I'd like to ask my guest to introduce themselves. I don't know which order you want to go in. Hi, I'm Sophia. Um, I joined Software in the summer of 2019. Um, and I look after the placement side of our Tech Switch program, uh, which helps career changers and returners get into tech. Um, my career to date has um, revolved around yeah, helping people um, get into technology, whether they're graduates, returners, or career changers. Um, and yeah, excited to be part of the first Twitter Live. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting to be here, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Sasha, and I have been at Software for oh, for four over four years now. Gosh, yeah, time really does fly, doesn't it? Um, and I, I actually had a really non-traditional role um, route into tech. I did a classics degree at uni um, and then found my way into recruitment and was recruiting software developers. And all I ever did was when I was having conversations with, uh, with my candidates was thinking, wow, your job is so much cooler than mine. I really wish I could be doing <laughs> doing what you were doing um so I, I decided to try and do it um I didn't go into the kind of coding route I went down the project management route and the kind of UX um UI design route a little bit as well so more into kind of the product side of things uh and then ended up at software um started up tech switch uh back in yeah 2019 so around when um Sophia joined and then now I am head of academy and tech switch is a sort of part of that as well Brilliant. Um, so do you want to just explain a bit more about Academy as well as just TechSwitch? Yeah, sure. So TechSwitch is a kind of career switcher boot camp. So people kind of come onto it, they do a 12 week long intensive course and then get a placement within tech. Whereas Academy is about apprenticeships. So we provide the full apprenticeship training for um, software development and DevOps courses. So that's much more often um, people who either haven't gone to uni or sometimes career switchers, um, particularly on the sort of software development side. DevOps quite often it's people who've had a career within um, software development and are now kind of moving more onto the, the DevOps side. Uh, so they do the full kind of 18 month long apprenticeship with us. Fabulous. All right, thanks both of you. Thanks so much for coming on. What we're talking about is changing careers to technology so later in your career um what are the routes to to go and work in technology um why is why is that a good thing and why is it particularly good thing for women so that's what we want to focus on today but maybe to set the scene i think it would be quite interesting to have a bit of a chat about what is the traditional or standard route into technology? You know, what what are we comparing this to? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I suppose you you sort of talked a little bit about it with your own journey, Zoe. But I think traditionally, 
people come from particularly STEM degrees often. Um, so people do a computer science degree or a math degree, um, sometimes like physics, that sort of thing. And as a part of that degree, they'll probably come across some coding. It'll be involved as part of what they've been doing. And they'll find their way into the role via that, either because they really enjoy it or because it means that they're going to get to kind of work in um, interesting industries that are related to what it is that they are particularly passionate about. And that's what I'd said the main route is. It's generally through kind of graduates who come from those sorts of arenas. Yeah, uh, that's a very good point about me. <laughs> I'm the poster child, aren't I, for the traditional route into technology. Math degree, had a ZX Spectrum, <laughs> coded at home on my own. Thought, oh yeah, computers are quite neat. Um, fantastic. And this, my next question feels so obvious that um, I almost don't want to ask it, but I think we have to do this again to set the scene. So why is this traditional route so problematic for diversity and and when I say I by which I mean why is recruiting from only these traditional routes meaning that organizations who are really keen to make sure they're representative of the population at large uh, why why is it problematic to recruit that way because I think um, if all your employees are, you know, all very similar, then the chances that, that you are limiting creativity within your within the organisation, um, and it's proven that you know diversity leads to greater creativity and greater innovation. Um, and I think with diverse teams, it also allows people to feel kind of more comfortable sharing their ideas um, and being able to, to voice their um, voice their opinions. Um, and it means that by having a diverse kind of workforce. You're incorporating, you know, everybody's differing um, ideas and perspectives um, when you're designing things, for example. Mm, that's a very good point. <laughs> and and again, like the most direct answer, right? If you recruit one type of people from one kind of channel, <laughs> you're automatically not going to have a diverse workforce. I think it's also worth thinking about what are the makeups of the what is the makeup of the populations who are entering these kind of degrees or even looking earlier in the school journey right do are we already seeing a, di a difference in in who takes up which subjects yeah absolutely i mean i've talked to people who've said that they've been the only woman on their entire you know in an entire lecture yes. hall sometimes um and i think it's it, it does come from such an early age like even you know when you see really small children you get um tend to have girls playing with kind of dolls or like kind of more um generally things that are associated more with like emotional intelligence and then you get boys playing traditionally with things like trucks and lego and kind of building things and that kind of just gets perpetuated the further up the education system you go um it just gets more and more and more stark and i think even with the best will in the world often people who try to kind of bring more of a balance to to their kids the fact that the world as a whole is still telling them that these are the particular gender roles that everyone takes these are the things that girls are interested in these are the things that boys are interested in it makes it really really hard to to push against that and mm -hmm. that you know it, there is a real effort in it you do have to it, there's a mental load on constantly being aware that you are one of a few um women who are 
you know, <laughs> taking part in your subject or who enjoy a particular thing. It's, it is definitely um, something that I feel takes a real toll on people. And it's probably why a lot of people end up just not bothering to put the effort in because at the end of the day, maybe it's just not worth it. Yeah, um, and to build on that, I think the lack of you know the representation and role models is it's a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy. Um, and I think even though great efforts are being made at the moment to make tech more appealing to you know young women and girls in schools, there's still you know a really long way to go. Um, so currently, you know, tw only twenty one percent of employees in the tech workforce are women, um, and you know there have been slight improvements in previous years, but there's you know the the figure's just moving at a very figuratively, you know, sales pace. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's also, we're very lucky, like, or lots of people are in the very lucky position of being able to choose how they want to make a living and thinking about their careers. You know, it's kind of common for young people to be asked what they want to do, and which is obviously a fantastic thing. I think that the more you are able, though, to not, think practically I think gender identification kind of comes into it a lot more right when you're like oh well, what would be a great thing for someone like me to be doing I think you get a certain type of answer from from that kind of question too yeah definitely I think it's it, as you know I guess it's a combination of the two right is that if you don't have the role models and the rest of the world is sort of all saying you know pointing you in in a particular direction even just by accident then you're just less likely to take that direction and you know we're asked to pick our degrees you know our GCSEs our A-levels our degrees at such a young age that often you know it's it's really hard to make that decision and it's it sort of ends up leading you down a path where you do feel like something like tech just wouldn't be an option for you I mean I know definitely for myself I, I did all arts at A-level and then did an arts degree and I never thought that tech was a space for me. I thought it was, mm -hmm. you know, for people who'd done maths or, you know, <laughs> or a, science, a kind of science subject. And I think that's something that is is a little perpetuated by, by the industry itself as well. But it's something that could, you know, could definitely be dealt with at an earlier stage where people can say, oh, hey, even though you did an arts degree, actually, that brings a lot of things to the table that will be really useful for you in, in software development. And no one ever really said that to me, or certainly that the message just wasn't out there when I was kind of leaving university. So I think that's that's a big part of it as well. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree with what Sasha's saying. And it's not just you know, obviously the focus is on software development today, but there it's just, you know, the, the other roles within tech aren't presented as well. So even if you have studied in arts degree, in humanities, um, there's various other roles within tech um, where, you know, your background is very relevant, but they're just not really talked about, not really presented at that, at that level. Mm. And we've not even got, I'm so aware as we're saying, you know, talking about which degrees people have done, we're not even covering, right, the fact that lots of people don't have the opportunity in life to pursue education at that level, whether it's an arts degree or a science degree. And I don't think that's a gender bias, but I do think it's something that is really important. And another important reason, maybe we can do another Twitter Spaces event on it, on why it's so important to have these roots into technology later in life, that it's not, I think, Sasha kind of summed it up there really where there is this great expectation that like technology career 
equals STEM degree, you know, by which we mean science, technology, engineering, or maths degree, uh, you know, that, that that's such a common um, assumption that um, people either explicitly or implicitly think this isn't going to be this isn't going to be the right job for me. Okay, cool. So let's let's move over then. What do we mean by career switching? What what is an example of of how someone would go about this? I think um, firstly, just to highlight that I think the you know the world of work is changing, um, and career paths these days aren't uh, you know they're no longer linear. Um, and there might be various reasons why people might want to yeah, to switch their career. So that could be, you know, career goals or values may have changed. Um, you know, they might want a new challenge. You might have discovered, you know, new interests along the way. Or it could be more practical reasons that you might want to find a more financially rewarding career um, or have you know, more flexible hours or more work-life balance. You know, the list goes on. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's various reasons why, you know, people will be motivated, um, you know, to make this career change. Um, and, you know, career change simply means, you know, switching from, I guess, one field to another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to put it simply. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I want to add, like, hashtag technology is awesome. Like, that's definitely something <laughs> that I've kind of um, made a point of because I think there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of events and a lot of kind of, articles and messages out there around the lack of women in technology and I have to say that as a woman I don't find that a particularly motivating message for why I should go and and sort out this problem that someone else has whereas I think the advantages of a career in technology of which like you say Sophia you've listed just a tiny fraction there I think it is important to keep shouting about those and about how those benefits are they're great for everyone but they can be particularly good for women particularly if you're looking Mm -hmm. to fit a family around your career um and you don't want to have to just put your career first and be like that's the decision I'm going to make there are a lot more options and a lot more ways to be flexible within a technology career yeah absolutely and I think that is something that isn't really shouted about enough at all um Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's a little bit of a reluctance generally um, within our kind of world of work to talk about how something's really flexible and something can really like work around you. But that is that is definitely starting to change. You know, now it is much more common for places to talk about how you have a really great work life balance and, that you know, they put their employees well-being first. And I think that's something that we're kind of slowly waking up to. Um, culturally and is something that technology really can offer um, a great deal towards yeah as you say like as Sophia said you know just in terms of flexible working being able to kind of work from wherever um, being able to potentially do lots of different types of things um, as a software developer or just generally within technology you can kind of move around lots of different projects and lots of different things so you get often different variety and you're really, really in demand, which is which is great. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to a lot of uh, maybe arts jobs where, you know, I think that we could kind of draw the graphs of some of the traditional careers that we would have been, you know, given as an option in school, such as journalism or 
trying to think what the really common examples are where you know the number of jobs and the um I suppose, to put it frankly, like the rate of pay for the jobs are just on this downwards trajectory, whereas technology is on this upward trajectory. Like the demand is high. It's grown since I started in technology 20 years ago. And it's keep it's keeping growing. Like we just need more and more tech. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's the kind of thing as well that it's only going to keep growing. And actually, I guess this links back a bit to what we were saying right at the very beginning about why diversity is so important as well, is that we are fundamentally building the things that we will be using in the future. We are we are building all of the tools that are going to be used globally by everyone. And if you've only got one very small subset of people building those tools, then they aren't just aren't going to work for everyone. They aren't going to, um, you know, it, include the various different things that you think about if you had lots of different people who had lots of different of <laughs> their own use cases are we talking about period Sasha because I do feel yeah. like this is the one thing that, that was like such a scandal on medical apps that you know the developers didn't think to include it I'm sure you were talking about other things as well I just thought <laughs> well what's even better about that story is I think obviously it wasn't included for ages and then um, I think when it did uh, I think it was maybe with the Apple tracker, They it wouldn't let you track it for more than 10 days. It was just like, nope, that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so ex exactly, like there's, there's, that's such a good example of something that just fundamentally didn't actually work for the users because they just haven't thought about it. Um, but it applies to so many other things as well. And particularly as we start to use um, more automated tools, they can have kind of bias more implicitly programmed into them as well. So you've really got to think about how the tools that we're building could well be impacting someone else's future just because they weren't involved in the process. Mm, super important. Um, well, I'd like to ask the kind of same question <laughs> or or from a... A different angle like why do people who've come from different backgrounds different careers make great software developers well I think firstly you know it takes real courage to to change your career path so I think career changes are you know very focused very driven committed individuals who you know aren't afraid to start over and try something new um, and then they also bring, you know, a wide range of skills from their previous lives, which can, again, you know, contribute to more innovative thinking and different ways of looking at problems and situations. Um, so overall kind of, yeah, bringing creativity and collaboration um, along with them. Um, and yeah, just challenging the, the kind of traditional, yeah, traditional thoughts, I guess, of the, of the industry. Yeah, I'd agree. I think as well, it can be a little hard for sometimes those career switches to kind of see what they're bringing to the table. Like there's a few I've sort of spoken to who, you know, I've been telling them, oh, you know, you're doing a fantastic job. The whole team really loves working with you or your clients love working with you. And they just sort of respond by going, yeah, but that's the easy stuff. Um, you know, like, of course. <laughs> um, and I think that's because they've come from an environment where that sort of thing's not... Um, celebrated or not a big deal like having that kind of interpersonal relationship but if you compare someone like that to someone who's literally just come out of university they are just not going to have had that kind of experience and not going to have that kind of confidence with talking to say clients or just kind of suddenly having to accidentally run a meeting by yourself because 
I don't know, your tech lead's Wi-Fi stopped working. That's the sort of thing that a career switcher will just sort of do automatically and won't even really think about it. Um, whereas, you know, it could cause much more panic around like um, <laughs> someone who's just left university. And I think it's almost those really small, um, unappreciated things that is what they really bring to the table. And I, I think it can be really hard for, for them to see themselves, actually. Yeah. I think it's... Sorry, go for fear. Oh, no, I was just adding to that. So, yeah, there's a whole spectrum of, you know, various skills that they've developed in their previous careers that, you know, they we, we always get our tech switches to, you know, to focus on those. So things like problem solving, analytical thinking, you know, teaching, mentoring, um, communication, you know, to kind of all think about what they're, they're bringing you know, to the table, essentially. Well, I think it's just so true, isn't it, that everyone, <laughs> irrespective of what your strengths are, everyone thinks that the things that they are good at are the things that are easy right it's just an, a natural assumption to make if I'm happy chatting to people that must be the easy bit whereas if I find coding hard that must be the hard bit whereas um, for someone else it's totally different and again it's another benefit of having organizations where you have different types of people that you can actually start to realize what your strengths are and go oh no way <laughs> I must be good at this because Sasha's just told me it <laughs> maybe I need to maybe I need to focus on that a bit more something else though it made me think of is because some of the skills you're talking about they're kind of almost like life admin skills like just the super, super basic skills, and hence the most important, right, skills for how do you get what you want out of life, which I think we all get gradually better just from being alive for longer. And tech has such a focus on youth and on young people. In fact, there was an article, I can't remember, in, in the Sunday Times or something recently saying, oh, if you're over 50, you know, don't bother talking to people about tech. Um, and it's so back to front because... Yes, of course, if you're growing up with new technology, you are going to be more familiar with it. But that's to throw aside all of these life skills, which can then be cross applied to whatever you're doing. Right. That's the whole point of them being basic skills um, that only increase with age and with more experiences and new experiences and seeing different parts of the world. Right. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think it's also, you know, coming, be, you know, being new to the industry um, to sometimes, you know, question, you know, why are, why, why, you know, why are things done this way? Um, and if, you know, nobody's asking these questions and people don't actually go back and review, you know, the processes or, you know, the designs and, you know, things like that. So um, if everybody's, yeah, got that kind of singular mindset, singular way of just, you know, accepting that things are the way they are because they have been for you know how <laughs> um, number of years then you know, the kind of bringing this fresh talent into into the industry um kind of challenges that yeah challenges those perspectives are there i don't know if there's an answer to this but i'll just put it out there are there any particularly good careers to switch from to technology or is it more a case of if you want to do it there will be strengths no matter where you've come from I don't know. I don't think it's anything really about where, like, what your previous background is. I mean, we've had people from um, who've been teachers. We've had people who've been pharmacists. We've had people who've been bakers. Um, <laughs> like, 
literally all sorts of different things and certainly you know when we're when we're recruiting for tech switch we don't hire from any like we don't focus at all on any particular background um because um it's a bit it's like in ratatouille isn't it a great software developer can come from anywhere um (laughs) but it's i think it's so much more about the individual person and what um their passions are what their interests are that's what kind of really um makes the people who love it love it and the people who want to stay stay um because I think you you can have that kind of mindset and that kind of interest and come from absolutely anywhere and have any kind of background um it's it is so much more about having as kind of Sophia said like that bit of kind of motivation and dedication to get over the really the really tricky bit right at the very beginning um and then to I guess realize the stuff that you're bringing that other people aren't because you will be bringing so much so much interesting new stuff um it's yeah I think that's the more important part I mean this is a leading question (laughs) do you see many women changing career and what what are the kind of stories of of women changing careers to become software developers um, I think we see a lot of, um, so we work with a lot of returners, so there are a lot of um, women who have taken career breaks um, to care for family um, and, you know, other various family commitments, and they're looking to to return to work, um, but as we touched upon earlier, but um, returning in a more kind of flexible way, so they're looking for careers that kind of embrace potentially remote or flexible working, um, so that could be working from home, greater control over their, you know, working hours, um, and again, you know that eliminates the barriers to entry um, but we're also seeing people who may not have previously opted for a tech degree um, again due to you know gendered stereotyping um, or those that um, aren't in a financial situation where they could go to university or return to university to do um, you know a second degree um, so yes again we get women from all very you know very different um, walks of life joining joining our tech search programs because I'm kind of setting up the question, (laughs) I mean, the title of the talk, right? So, like, why is career switching? I mean, I would go as far to say it is such an integral part of increasing the gender balance within your teams. Do you agree? Yeah, I think particularly because otherwise it would take such a long time for any kind of grassroots change um like as we were talking like right at the very beginning about how just even getting women into kind of more the more traditional routes into tech that's difficult in and of itself that's you know that's a whole other kind of conversation to be had but right. and it starts so young doesn't it because there's, I mean, exactly. there's loads of fantastic organizations out there such as STEMX who deliberately target 13 year old girls because that's the point at which Um, girls start making decisions that eventually exclude them from the traditional route into the tech workforce right so uh, there are lots of organizations doing that but like you say Sasha that is the point at which those women won't even be leaving university yeah (laughs) if they go through that route of going to university for another eight years so that's a long way exactly and I think that's why it's so so useful kind of tapping into this massive, massive resource of, of women who are interested in getting into tech, like potentially when they left university, tech wasn't even really um, a career option. Right. And 
that you know there's this huge huge pool of people who are really really interested in what's going on and could be so so good at it as well and it's what we see all the time is people come in from as we said all sorts of different backgrounds um potentially because yeah they've had a career break and are then thinking what can i do because potentially their old um industry just isn't there anymore and tech is such a big growing space and it offers so much to people you know why wouldn't you tap into that massive pool of people who are super interested in the industry i mean i suppose one question is why haven't people to date like what has been why has tech recruitment been in my opinion <laughs> so blinkered in this in this regard i wonder if it's just because it's easy it's sort of you know they've they've i guess if you find a recipe that works for finding really good graduates it's just easy to keep doing that and then it's quite hard to change that so that it's attractive to a completely different um group of people so I'd, I'd say that's it, because I think now a lot of places are saying, oh, we really, really want to be able to um, to attract more women. And they're just not always succeeding. And I think it's because in many ways they just haven't ever had the practice. They, they just don't know how to go about doing that and are potentially using the wrong techniques to try and do it. Or it you know comes across um, in the wrong way. And particularly if a company already has poor gender diversity, then you know, a woman might turn up for a job interview, see just a sea of men and think, well, <laughs> I don't right. I don't really want to be, yeah, I don't want to be the first. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's back to like, we've all got enough to be getting on with in our own lives, right? You know, it's not actually, women don't wake up and go, oh, I'm going to fix the, the diversity issue today. You're like, you've got your own job to do. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to at least know that there's some other people like, um, like making an effort (laughs) exactly one thing I wanted to ask is what should an organization do so if anyone's listening to this um event today specifically to go oh right okay I didn't think of this you know I've always recruited in one particular way and maybe this is a new way I haven't considered what are the kind of first steps and, and what do employers need to be thinking about I think it's um, looking beyond, you know, the, the traditional routes into tech and acknowledging that, you know, there are various kind of normalising the fact that, you know, there are alternative pathways into tech these days um, and focusing on um, an individual's potential rather than their kind of existing um, knowledge and experience. Um, and I think that's, that's you know, a really good start. Mm, that's a really good point. I almost, I might... Uh, make a note to try and pick that up as a separate point because I think that it's something again talking about uh, not realizing your own strengths I think at software we've got such a history of focusing on potential rather than existing skills that I think I sometimes forget that lots of people are recruiting in this but I need someone to work right you know who I can add to my team right now and can be 100% productive otherwise I'm not going to hit my date so yeah, potential having, is a really good point. Yeah, having a longer term vision, I think, um, when it comes to kind of talent acquisition and the strategy around um, recruitment. I'd also say having that kind of support there and the acknowledgement that it, it is a lot harder. You know, there's I mean, there was that study done a while ago that demonstrated that women were judged more hard, like women's code was reviewed more harshly if Ooh. they knew that they were women. <laughs> Or like in interviews, 
women are generally there's a higher bar set for them and that's the kind of thing that isn't always appreciated and and particularly if you're starting and and like I said you know you're one of the the first women to start in an organization a lot of expectation is put on you to almost like represent the gender (laughs) right (laughs) oh we'll try you out and then we'll know whether women are any good or not exactly (laughs) exactly and and that's it's worth sort of um, employers really acknowledging that that pressure and acknowledging that that bias has taken place and that women will often have had many more barriers put up in front of them than someone who just breezed through all of the traditional routes and kind of came through it um, with the expectation that that tech would be there, tech would be ready for them and everyone else there was going to look like them. And that ties in a little bit to the returners point as well, right? That actually while we live in a society where women take on the majority of childcare, that means that after having children, that is going to affect people in terms of how, I don't quite know what the right way to to put this is, because I think people often look only at the negatives, but I think it's a much more balancing of its negatives and positives. So um, I'm mentoring someone who's just come back off maternity leave and I'm insisting that she goes through all of the challenges that she has encountered during maternity leave, which are myriad, right? And actually look at the skills she's been developing, like on her own time, having to deal with this, you know, incredible new challenge and how those map into the workspaces. So actually, that's kind of another point I'm kind of rephrasing what you said in that employers need to know how to make the best of that right and they need to recognize that people have different strengths um, and be and be set up to take advantage of that yeah absolutely and I think it honestly makes me so angry sometimes when we interview people for um for tech switch who say you know they've done all of these code like they've done loads of coding courses they've done all this practice or potentially they they literally had previous experience at something so they tried their original role and nowhere would get past their cv because they'd see that they'd had a you know multiple year long career gap um while they were raising a family and that's just it your your cv is gone and it's out um and so many of them are, are both frustrated and incredibly disheartened like they really come with a complete lack of confidence because they think it must be something they're doing wrong and just every time it's just no you 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 took the time out to raise a family and for some reason that is not appreciated as anything that could ever be applied to a career despite the fact as you say you know you're juggling so many different things you have to learn about lots of different time management there's a load of emotional skills that you learn there's just so much that you gain from that experience and no one ever actually appreciates that it could be applied in a workplace This is quite a good time, I think, to talk about the flip side of this. So, um, again, if anyone's listening and they have joined this call because they're like, no, wait, hold on, maybe I could work in technology, (laughs) but I don't know how to go about this. What are the kind of steps you need to take if you are thinking about changing career to become a software developer? Um, I think initially, you know, doing some research. So there's various communities, um, groups and networking events out there um, that you can join just to yeah, find out a bit more about what a career in tech could look like. Um, and 
have and it's also having that support network there so that you know if you are making a career change there's other people in the same boat as you um so you don't feel you know isolated and you know you're, you're the only person in the world that's doing this um so that that would be something that I would suggest initially and then is it a case of do you need to do a formal course do you can you just start applying do you need to do a formal course do you can you work on your own projects what are the kind of options out there um I think there's lots and lots of different options depending on how you prefer to kind of go about it so some people like to do um there's sort of online communities where they all sort of support each other and they all provide like different tasks people help each other with like reviewing each other's code that kind of thing um and that can be a really nice environment for some people. Some people really prefer to get stuck in and like learn all like as much of the syntax as they can. Other people come up with a little personal project and decide, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this, and then just go about researching how to do that. Um, there's loads and loads and loads of different ways into it. Um, but that said, I think that is almost that's the real barrier. Um, at that point, it's when you kind of encounter a lot of the language, which particularly if you haven't done a STEM degree, is it it's just meaningless a lot of the time some of the things that people are saying um and there are now so many more resources that explain to you in a much more kind of plain English way what um what everything means what everything does and how it goes about it and if you are currently trying to learn to code and you're really struggling with it it may just be that the resource you're using isn't the right one for you there are lots and lots of different ways of doing it and and we see so many people who come in and say oh yeah I watched hours and hours and hours of video on YouTube and I still don't understand how to you know how arrays work in JavaScript and we're like well have you tried you know this this method instead of just watching hours and hours and hours and they go oh okay yeah that makes so much more sense now that you know we've laid it out in a different way um so I think it can be a case of, you know, you, you, you get slightly stuck on one particular way of learning, but, but don't try loads and loads of different things. Try what works for you and bounce on and off things and find the one that you think, yeah, actually, I enjoy doing this. This is fun. Even when it's hard, it's still fun. And I still get that real kick whenever I finally complete something and I feel like a genius. That's that's the one to aim for. Yeah, so understanding your own learning style um, and finding yeah, a, yeah a resource or a way of learning that you know that fits fits for you. I mean, I think that's another advantage of coming a non-traditional route, right? Is that if you're already different, <laughs> like just double down on that. It just it gives you an opportunity and permission, right, to do things differently and and find your own way. And I think for me, that is the best advice I have for everyone you know, irrespective of your background, you have to find the way that works for you, not kind of keep beating yourself over the head going, oh, but, you know, someone else does it this way, I have to do it that way. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of it, you know, the, the flexibility is there as well. So going back to, you know, what we've discussed previously about, you know, other life commitments, you can kind of work it around, you know, um, your job, if, you know, if you're still in a full-time role or a part-time role, um, or if you're juggling childcare, you know, you can, you can kind of fit in, um these courses or you know um, online resources you know boot camps around around your life essentially something else that it made me realize though with kind of Sasha saying oh well and then I said have you tried this is like obviously I'm going to have to generalize this out from having a Sasha but um, (laughs) I think a community is a really important part of how we learn and if I look back to my career even though I went the traditional route I actually did a maths degree so my 
commercial coding experience when I when I started in a real job was zero. And I learned so much from being able to discuss with other human beings what my challenges were and what I was going through and things I didn't understand. That was a massive benefit to me. So I think that finding a way whether it's an in-person community or an online community, I think that can be a really beneficial way to realise that you can understand things better than you maybe thought you could. Yeah, definitely. And I think having someone be able to explain things to you in, in multiple different ways is just, it, it's it's invaluable really, because um, often, yeah, you spend ages looking at a thing and thinking this just doesn't make any sense. And then someone maybe explains something to you in the same sort of way and you go oh, no, that just doesn't make any sense to me and then they say oh okay well actually it's more like this and you, and it's like the light bulb suddenly comes on and, and you think oh that's exactly what it is thank god you said that to me otherwise I'd have spent ages and ages struggling over this and it's what we always find whenever people start tech switch is um, often we hear the same phrase which is I've learned more in this first day that I have like over the past couple of months because mm. there's someone there and there's someone pointing you in the right direction so you're not kind of going down lots and lots of different rabbit holes you're not accidentally going down the wrong path all the time you've got someone to just gently nudge you back on track you've got someone to help explain things to you um and I think that's the bit that's just so, so helpful about, yeah, having having a teacher, having a trainer, having a community, having just someone around that you can talk to is so helpful. Yeah. And I think on the flip side, by you explaining something or, you know, talking to somebody else about it also reinforces your own knowledge as well. Um, and I think it's that kind of knowledge sharing and just, yeah, chatting to people. Um, I think that that kind of community aspect is really important. Yeah, exactly. It's not just a going to ask for help and getting the answers. It's a much more fluid exchange and a like a, a great set of benefits, even if you're on the teaching side or the more experienced side. So we've talked about how there's a lot of different ways to to start thinking about switching careers. How How would you know? And again, there may not be an answer to this, but what point do you start applying for jobs and go, OK, I can do this now? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think it it varies from person to person. Um, I think if particularly if you can find um, places that are offering, say, apprenticeships or are offering um, kind of training from the beginning, uh, or if you're applying for for a boot camp, you maybe don't need quite as much as you think. Um, we quite often get people to do a little sort of online course, and then we get them to start doing some little online problems. So there's quite a few different um, online options for just little puzzles and things that people can do by themselves writing code. And really you don't need that much kind of fundamental understanding at that point. It's more like we want you to have showed the kind of, shown the kind of drive to learn. We want to, you to have kind of hit some setbacks and got back up and started again or tried again. Um, <laughs> the key software development skill <laughs> yeah exactly like that that is something we kind of constantly try to you know hammer home to people is that so much of software development is having no idea what you're supposed to do next and just trying lots of lots of different things um and um really actually the the thing we tell people all the time is that learning to code is actually just learning how to google things um <laughs> but yeah i think it's it's more um 
it's more about when you kind of reach the point where you're almost starting to cast around and look for other things like you've kind of you've maybe done a little bit of either an online course or like a free just a free one or you've built a couple of little pet projects or you have watched a few um, videos and you're kind of understanding what people are saying there comes a point when you're sort of you almost come up against that wall which is like well where do I go from here and then the answer to that can be you can start applying for graduate jobs at this point like that's that's the sort of level that a lot of people who come into the industry are at it's just that they came across some programming during their degree and they've done a couple of little um online uh, test type things like things like project um Euler that sort of thing Euler project Euler um and then they've just thought oh hey I guess I could do this as a job you you need to have that level of confidence that's that's the key I think <laughs> well I suppose one question I want to ask is 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 there anything you're going to be missing like if you're not coming the traditional route is there anything you need to watch out for in terms of you might not have the skill set or you might not know something I wouldn't have said you're necessarily missing like a particular skill set. You might be missing the kind of um, like one of the things we found is that if people take our course and they're graduates, they're sort of still in that mindset where they're a bit of a sponge. So they're very, very used to learning and listening and absorbing things um, and very used to kind of having steps in place to support their own learning. Whereas if you've kind of never been to university or if you've taken like it's been a long time since you were doing that kind of learning, I think that can be a little tricky. But otherwise, I just said genuinely it's confidence um, because I guess a graduate comes into it and goes, oh, a graduate role. That means this is meant for me. I meet the right. requirements. <laughs> this is meant for me. Um, whereas, you know, a career switcher looks at it and says, oh, well, I've done, you know, all of these hours of, of practice and all of these different things, but I don't have a maths degree or like, oh, but I'm not sure if this is quite right. Am I ready yet? So that's a huge part of it to be honest yeah I would agree I'd say the confidence it plays a big part any tips for that for how to because I feel like confidence is something particularly if we're talking about um helping women into technology careers right that lack of confidence is often something um cited as a as a female thing you know imposter syndrome etc are there any any tools that people can use I think it's almost a bit about talking to other people and like Sophia was saying if you're kind of talking to someone else and almost like teaching them you start to realize how much knowledge you have um and if someone explains something and you understand it really kind of um take that on board and think oh hey I actually understood that that's really great sorry I'm gonna mute because the fire alarm's going off yes I think it's quite natural to have you know uh, moments of self-doubt because you're you know you are moving outside of your comfort zone into kind of a new territory Um, but I think it's the main thing is to acknowledge that it's okay to feel that way Um, and again you know by having a community around you you know you're it kind of yeah you're not on your own there's other people that you can chat to about all of this and um and yeah other people feel the you know same way as you so I'd say yeah there's no I personally wouldn't say there's any specific tools <laughs> um yeah, for tackling perhaps this that was, perhaps that was too strong I think exactly what you're saying about having other people that you can maybe um be honest with about about what your fears are is the the quickest way to dispel them and realize that actually like you say everyone's in the same boat 
um i can i can tell you for a fact that doing a maths degree doesn't give you any special <laughs> insight when it comes to learning coding so <laughs> i think um yeah it's it's that um realizing that you deserve to be there and and you've got all the skill sets and it's just a question of pulling them all together um, yeah i think it, it's it's so much about that i completely agree well that is fantastic thank you very so much i think we're getting to the end of um end of our slot sadly i could talk about this all day um what i just wanted to ask who should people get in touch with if they want to talk more about tech switch or should they go to the website or can they get in touch with both of you yeah so um feel free to obviously yeah, go have a look at the website um you're very very welcome to drop uh, myself sophia or sarah who's our program manager a message on linkedin or twitter or wherever really we're we're very happy to to answer any questions about it um and yeah we're also very passionate about it so we'll, we'll happily kind of sell you on why we think it's great <laughs> and to be clear that tech switch t-e-c-h-s-w-i-t-c-h dot co dot uk is that right and sasha i don't know if i can even spell your surname <laughs> in terms of people <laughs> connecting with you <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm Sasha Burgoyn. So it's Sasha with an S and then B-U-R-G-O-Y-N-E. Um, I think I'm like one of the only ones around, so it should be fairly easy to find me. <laughs> Once you can spell it, you can't miss her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you want to know more, please get in touch with any of us. I'm Zoe Cunningham and I um, won't be the right person to talk to you directly, but you can always get in touch with me and I will put you in touch with the right person. Um, or Sophia Lynn or Sasha Burgoyne, who has kindly just spelt her name for you. <laughs> and the TechSwitch website is techswitch.co.uk or if you want to know more about what software I do more, generally it's software.co.uk. Thank you all so much. See you on the next one.